Good morning. There is power here. Uh, we are here meeting in the name of Jesus, and we invite you guys to stand. Go ahead and greet each other. Welcome each other here. Make sure everybody feels welcome here.
right, we're going to take time to praise the Lord through song, so we invite you to join us as we sing.
Good morning, everybody. My name is Nate DeWitt. I have the honor and privilege of being the youth pastor here at Hardaway. I just want to take a couple minutes to share a quick story and to thank you guys all for being a part of the support that happens for our youth ministry programming that happens here. I'm a part of a lot of youth ministry groups and blogs and, and uh, forums and stuff like that. And I can tell you, not everybody feels as blessed and supported by their congregations as uh, we do here at Hardaway. So, Thank you guys so much for the support and the prayers and all the ways in which you take care of our youth ministries and our students that, uh, that participate in the stuff that we do here. So one quick story that I just wanted to share with you guys. Um, I'm not going to share his name because he's here today and I don't want to embarrass him, but it's good stuff. Um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, um, we were finishing up after youth group and we were sharing a snack. This is our high school youth group. And uh, a student came up to me and he said, Nate, I got I to talk to you about something. I said, okay. You know, what's up? And he said, well, I, I got this, this, this thing that's been rattling around in my mind a little bit, and I've kind of wanted to, to share it with the rest of our youth group, but um, I've kind of been putting it off, and I'm not really sure if now's the right time. And I said, well, you know, it sounds like God's trying to tell you something, and maybe we should move on this. And he said, okay, well, what do we, what do, you know, how do we make that work? And, and I said, well, do you want to, you know, get up in front of youth group and kind of share what you have on your mind? And he, he decided, yes, and in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a, a high school student who voluntarily wants to get up and publicly speak in front of his peers, which I remember when I was in high school, I wanted nothing to do with any of that kind of thing, um, <clears throat> which was awesome, and, and so I asked him, you know, how can I help you? How can I support you? What can I do for you? How can I help you prepare for this? And he just kind of just said, well, I, I think I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm, I think I'm okay at public speaking, and I think I'm just going to get up there and do it. So the week went by before next, week youth, next week's youth group when he was going to share his message. And I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, and he's in the room too, and I think I told him this already. I was a little bit nervous for him because I'm like, all right, I don't know how he's preparing. I don't know what he's getting ready for. He told me kind of what he wanted to share. Um, and, you know, I knew he had a pretty good handle on what he wanted to talk about. But anyway, he gets up in front of youth group, and he crushes it. He just shares this message, and it's about Jesus calming a storm. Um, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this kid's going to take my job. I got to, you know, <laughs> no, but I, he did a great job. He was fantastic. And um, he, he shared a lot of things. And later on in that week, um, I started getting emails from parents and from other students that were uh, a part of the youth group that night and how inspired they were and how moved they were by another student, one of their peers that was willing to get up and, and share. Um, and it's just really cool because we've been talking a lot about uh, leadership. Um, in, our, in our youth groups lately, and specifically about the idea of kind of taking your faith from a point where you're kind of expecting to be fed things all the time to a point where you're ready to start helping feed into other people's faiths. And the way our students are doing that around here is fantastic. We had a bunch of kids that were here Wednesday night to help out with the cadets and gems, the elementary school programming, and some of the stuff that they were doing. 
in the gym here last week, Wednesday. So if you guys were in the room, thank you for that too. But anyway, that's just one quick story I wanted to share with you guys. And again, just thank you for your support, your prayers, your financial, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity and a blessing to work here as a youth pastor. And you guys have some great students as a part of your congregation. So, uh, and kids, make sure you thank your parents for the support they're giving you too. So. All right, thank you so much, Nate. Thanks, We're going to invite the kids up through fifth grade who want to head off to Sunday school to head over to the corner. Uh, Lori's over there, and uh, Nate's going to pray over <coughs> you guys once you're over there. Always good to see these happy, cheery faces. All right, guys, let's pray. Lord, thank you for these students. Thank you for the energy that they bring, the life and excitement that they bring to our congregations. Thank you in advance for the ways in which they're going to go out and change the world for you. Uh, as they go to their Sunday school classes today, Lord, bless them, keep them, and help them to get to know you in a way that maybe they hadn't known you as well before. Lord, thank you again for these students, and thank you for the congregation that supports them. And all God's children said, amen. All right, while they head off, we invite you to stand one more time as we sing praise.
Good morning. Good to see you all this morning as we are worshiping together. I want to just remind us again last week I made a mention of this that uh, we're doing signups right now for Feed My Starving Children. Uh, this is going to be on March 11. There's a night time. It's a Friday night. There's one session and then there's a couple sessions on Saturday. So if you go to Heart of Wyke, to our website, heartofwyke.com, uh, under signups, if you're interested in that, um, spots are starting to fill up. They're trying to give us the opportunity to do that. We're partnering with a couple other churches in the community, so um, there is still some space if you're interested uh, to help out in that way. And then I uh, just want to let you know that we do have a few families that are heading down to the DR at different times throughout this week. Um, so and going down to serve there. So. Uh, Please be praying for, for folks who are, who are serving, who are loving on uh, families down there, who are helping out the schools, providing food. Um, so just be praying uh, as people go and love our neighbors um, outside of the country, in the Caribbean. Um, so if you will, though, uh, let's join together in prayer this morning. God, thank you. Uh, we cry out hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Lord for who you are. God, what we're going to hear again today and re- reminded of is it's, it's not in our power, it's not in our strength uh, that we can save ourselves, that we can make ourselves right before you. Or it's only by your grace, your love, your life that we are saved, that we're forgiven, that we're freed, that we're given the very breath that we breathe today that we're, we're given the ability to be uh, in this very room, uh, that we're given technology to be able to, to watch and stay connected, even though we may not be able to be uh, in person together. God, we think about all the many gifts as we think about those who are going to be serving down in the DR, as we think about 
ahead to march and, and trying to provide food. We think about the gift of, of, of our meals and our provisions to be able to have those. Or we think about our, those in our community today who struggle to find meals, struggle to find a, a warm place as we've been going through a, a cold streak here in West Michigan. God, we pray for those organizations. We pray for opportunities as well for us to be able to come alongside of our neighbors, to love them well, to help where we can help. Lord, as well to know the limitations of our help and where, where that begins in someone else, where we can maybe point others to the right place. But God, we, we continue. We need your love in your life each day, but we need to continue to see that love in life too in our community. Or as we think about our Hardawike community this morning, not just our watershed community, but all of Hardawike, we think about the Evenhouse family today. God, in the passing of Brianna last, last week Sunday, God, again, we're reminded of just how fragile life really is. God, thank you for the 27 years of life that we were blessed to have her on this earth the light that you shone in and through her, uh, the love that was shown in to her and through her to others. Lord, as we know, she's with you. We know she's in your loving hands, that you've saved her, you've rescued her from death. There's still a loss in our hearts, Lord. We know we haven't lost her because we know where she's at. We were reminded of that message yesterday by Pastor Bill God, we know where she's at, so she's not lost, but she's not with us. Lord, I pray just for her family, especially for her family and friends who, who feel that, that empty void in space. Lord, it's been a tough months as, as, as she was in the hospital and was battling for life. And now it's tough being without her. God, bring your compassion. Pour out your love and your grace uh, to them. And again, God, thank you for the hope that we have of being restored into relationship, not only with you, but with each other, and that we have a rescue from death, that death doesn't win and won't. Lord, as we think about how Brianna suffered from COVID, we Think about Sandy Elzinga. She continues to battle COVID and is, uh, Lord, she's slowly been getting better. We just want to pray that you keep strengthening her body. Lord, as it's, it's, it's hit her harder. Um, some of us, Lord, have been able to endure and, it, and it's felt like nothing more than a cold or it, it's felt like nothing at all. But for others, we know like, like Sandy and Brianna who've had to face it to a, a whole nother degree. God, just continue to strengthen and lift them up. Lord, we're reminded too, um, as we heard in the news this week again, that Pete's cancer is, is reared its ugly head again. God, we think about Helene as she's dealing with cancer. Lord, we think about Phil as he's dealing with it as well. And, and Sean as she deals with it. God, Heal. I don't run out of things to pray because I'm tired of praying. No, Lord, I, I'm not tired of praying for my brothers and sisters who have to fight this disease in, in its many different faces. I'm just tired of cancer. 
I'm tired of how it lives and dwells in people's lives and messes up people's lives and messes with futures and messes with just it, 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 this virus that it is, and it, it just continues to, to leave a wake. So Lord, bring healing, bring strength, sustaining power, show your light and your life in the middle of what seems like dark valleys for these brothers and sisters, and certainly, God, many more people who are facing it. Lord, thank you um, that you give life as well in the face of death. Lord, we thank you that, God, again, as we prayed it for a rescue that you've given um, for Brianna, God, that you've also rescued Jan's brother, Bruce. God, as it was early in his life, to pass from this world into your hands. I thank you that you, again, rescue. Lord, we pray this morning a prayer of praise, though. In the midst of these, these moments that weigh our hearts, Lord, I feel that weight even as I pray now. I thank you that uh, there is truly new life that we can celebrate with the Blargian family today with Tom and Leah and the birth of Elsa this week. We thank you that we can see and we can hear even our own children today and, and we can celebrate the joy in their faces and that that new life can, can bring joy in us. We can hear even voices now as, as I pray, God. I love that, Lord. I love just everything from words not able to be spoken yet in the coups and in the in the, in, the, in the movements and to, to the phrases as parents we hoped our children wouldn't necessarily say <laughs> or come at unexpected times. Lord, that kind of joy that comes with our children. Lord, thank you again to just for new life for the Blargens. God, these are again just some of the prayers that we pray every week. Prayers that of needs, of celebrations and joys. Uh, they're not, I'm, I'm sure we're not even scratching the surface of what each of us are facing in our own lives. Well, Lord, thank you that you can handle every one of our prayers. You welcome every one of our prayers. You welcome the words that we can say and put into words, and, and you welcome the things that we don't know how to say, and, and you know exactly what's on our hearts. Thank you that you love us that deep of a way. God, and now as we, we come into your scriptures, God, thank you for your, your story. Thank you for the story of Jesus. Thank you for the story of the good news, the gospel, and how it can breathe life. It can remind us and anchor us in a world that's filled with challenges, ups, and downs. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts today through your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our minds, our hearts, would, would continue to encourage us, transform us, and change us into your image, and into your life. So Lord, now use my words. Speak through me, God, into each of our hearts. And, and, and the beauty is, your spirit is dwelling in each of us. So say to each of us what you need us to hear for your sake and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
We're continuing this morning in our series on the parables. Uh, we're coming to probably the most widely known parable inside and outside of the church. Whether you've been in the church, whether you've been outside, how many of you have heard the Good Samaritan? Yay! Right? <laughs> We have organizations called Good Samaritan Ministry, Samaritan, like, right? It's all about doing what? Loving our neighbors, right? Being kind, helping. Um, but as you've seen, and as we've seen throughout this series, uh, while that's wonderful, while that's true, and we'll certainly get to that message of God's invited us to love our neighbors well, Jesus has a tendency to flip some of those stories upside down, Right? And he's anchoring us in, in, in a different story which gives shape to our morality, gives shape to how we live. So as I've been thinking about and, and dwelling on the Good Samaritan this week, um, I, I was brought back to uh, driver's education. Yes. I learned how to drive around Chicago. So south of Chicago, north, northwest Indiana, south Chicago corridor. And if you know any of those roads, you know some of those can get kind of crazy. So in driver's ed, um, one of my first experiences on the highway was on I-65, right? Anybody know I-65? And anywhere in that northwest Indiana corridor of I-65, you know you got to go, right? Well, I don't know this. I don't realize this because I'm in driver's ed. And and, and we get on. We're pulling on the on-ramp. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up to 55. At that point, I-65 was 55. Indiana's speed limits, by the way, make no sense. I like Michigan speed limits. I know I'm, I'm, I'm losing some of my Hoosier-ness. I'm coming around to becoming a Michigander. So, but, but, but we're moving. Yeah, 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 I heard that. <laughs> we're getting up to 55, right? And this is at least how I recall now because I'm getting older, right? We, re, we remember things differently. No. But I'm coming up. We're getting up to 55 as we're getting ready to get on the highway. And I remember I could see it in my driver's ed's instructor, in his eyes. Speed up! Right? <laughs> I could have swore he said, I don't want to die. Right? <laughs> you can't go 55 on I-65. You can't go 55 on the bloody Borman, by the way. Right? You go with the flow of traffic. Usually that's like 75. So that's how I learned to drive. You don't go the speed limit, right? How fast can we really, it leads me to that question, how fast can you really go, right? Is it, are you, is it the five to nine miles an hour over? And then you know I'm getting the thumbs up from Lisa, so obviously, <laughs> right? We, can, you go, can you go 12? What is it? You know, I know that with my truck, when I change the tires, it registers one mile an hour faster than what I really am, right? How many of you play that game, right? It's not about necessarily knowing the speed limit. I learned this in public policy class in college, right? There's the law, but then there's the unwritten rules of the law, right? We, we got to figure out in what areas we can go 10 over and what areas 15. Well, I, as I was thinking about that, I also thought about school. How many of you did this? You tried to figure out exactly what you needed to do to get the grade. Maybe it was an A, or maybe it was just a D for being done, right? <laughs> but we tried to figure out, we played the game, and I was really good at this game. Let, uh, let me tell you, I was good at figuring out exactly what my teachers wanted, my professors wanted and expected. And for this class over here, so for pre-calc, I could figure out exactly what was over here, and then for English, what was over here. And then, it, was, it wasn't about learning, it was about getting the grade. And so what did I learn? Nothing. 
We do that with the law, don't we? We, we know what the law is, and then we start to play games with it, right? We want to manage it. We want to maneuver it. We, in, in, in some ways, maybe we want to justify ourselves by it, right? We want to make sure we're doing exactly what we need to do as well as maybe get away with some things in the meantime. Well, our story this morning, you have a lawyer who comes to Jesus and he's wondering about some of this law stuff. Right? How do I, as we'll see in just a moment, this question of what is the law? What, what, what do I need to do to be saved? And with that, like, who is my neighbor? So let's hear the story in the parable for this week. Luke 10. This is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law, so a lawyer, He stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, Well, and who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. Not only that, the next day he took out two denarii, so two weeks worth of wages, gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So Jesus asked this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the lawyer replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Right, often in this parable we've heard that go and do likewise. Right, and for for our, our good moral senses, that's really helpful, isn't it? God, what do you expect from me? What do you want from me? Well, Go serve somebody. Go the extra mile. Do this. But, but is that what a parable is? Well, this whole series, no, see, that was a no. Exactly. Amen. Right? We've been talking about the fact that that isn't the heart of a parable for Jesus. I've had this up every week, but I, I just want to keep reminding us, a parable for Jesus is an inviting, puzzling, if not scandalous short story meant to explain who Jesus was first, what his kingdom, what he was doing in bringing about his kingdom, revealing that kingdom of God in the world. We get to morality, yes, but we get to morality, we get to what God expects of us through Jesus. If we miss that lens, we're just going to have a law today, go be like the Samaritan, go the nth degree, that will crush us. 
Because we don't have to go far, do we, to see neighbors in need in our community. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that gets so weighty and that pressure to have to do something gets so much so that I just go, you know what, I'm just going to stop seeing those people. Notice how I even said, those people. Right? So I don't want to feel the weight of that. I don't want to feel the crushing weight of that because I can't possibly live into that kind of law. You know what? I think that's what the actual, this lawyer was asking Jesus this morning. Because he knows the law. He knows what it's all about. He knows the ins, the outs. The, another way of thinking about the lawyer was he might have been a scribe. So he would have been one to record and write things down. He would have been one who would have to know from, from different uh, synagogues what they had written. And, and I mean, he'd know, like today's lawyers know the law, he'd have to know the ins and the outs. But he says to, says to Jesus, he goes, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? That's his first question. Teacher. Now, it says he's trying to test him. This could mean he's being confrontational with Jesus. But it could very well be that he's simply trying to see the merits of Jesus as a rabbi and teacher. He may just be wondering, okay, do we see eye to eye? He might be just trying to figure Jesus out. So he says, again, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As a good Israelite, he would know that God is a gracious God. God was a God who pulled Israel out of all the nations of the world, right, through Abraham and said, I love you. They didn't do anything to earn that. Abraham didn't earn that right. The people of Israel didn't earn that right. When God rescued them from Egypt, that was a gracious God stepping in and doing what they couldn't do for themselves, for them, out of his choosing and love. So there are people anchored in grace. The New Testament isn't the only part of the Bible that has God's grace laden throughout. The Old Testament is full of God's grace as well. But they know that, but, but like the lawyer, like me, I, I think he wrestles with that unearned, unmerited favor, right? I struggle with something that comes for free. I live in a world where nothing comes for free. Something's always got strings attached. And they also lived in that kind of world and wondered about those things. And, and what does he do? He says, what must I do? What's my part? And Jesus, doing one of the most rabbinical things that you can possibly do, answers with a question. Right? How many of you find that incredibly annoying? Right? Like, hey, I've got a question. Okay, so what do you think about that? I didn't ask what I think, I asked what you think, right? So tell me, right? He says to the lawyer, what's the law say? And the, law, the lawyer just goes, yeah. What you would know from the Shema from Deuteronomy, you love God. You love God with everything you got, your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he goes to Leviticus, and he goes to what Jesus would say at other times, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, well done, go and do likewise. Okay? Well, this lawyer knows the law, and he knows, okay, but to love, like, do I got to love everybody then? Does that mean, like, everybody? Or, or are there limits? Like, is the speed limit really the speed limit, or do I get to five, five to nine miles an hour over? Or for others of you, 20. I don't know. Right? He, what do we hear in the text? He says he wanted to justify himself. 
right? He wanted to make the law now manageable. Something that he knew was unmanageable, because that's the law. The law throughout Scripture reminds us, it brings us to the end of ourselves so that we need God. We understand that, yes, it is a guardrail, it is a guide for us, absolutely. But the law in its fullness and its perfection will say that we need someone in something else because I can't possibly keep it. But what does the lawyer do? I want to control it. I want to know what this teacher wants so I can do it and I can feel good about it. I got to have control over it. So who's my neighbor? And as a good lawyer, a good Israelite lawyer, he would have thought that Jesus would say, well, you're Israelite brothers and sisters. And he'd be like, okay, good. But as been Jesus' case in the parables, we find out if you want to justify yourself before God, the God of the world, he's got stories for you. (laughs) And stories that may just aggravate you. One of the ways parables are defined is that they comfort the afflicted but afflict the comfortable. I love that. Because here, Jesus then starts and says, there's a priest and a Levite, right? Sounds like some of our jokes, right? So there's, there's a priest, right? And then there's a, <laughs> we won't go any further, right? But he goes, there's a priest, there's a Levite, there's these officers in Israelite's life, these officers of atonement. And there's these who are meant to help bring salvation in life and, and teachers. And they come across this man who's been beaten on the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, if you understand this road, it's called the Way of Blood, the Blood Way. In this 17-mile stretch, you have about 3,700-foot elevation difference from Jerusalem going down to Jericho. Because of that elevation difference, there's a lot of rocks. Uh, it gets narrow. So people got beat up often. And Jesus says, there's this man, he falls amongst thieves, right? And they leave him for dead in a ditch. So the priest comes by, and what's he do? Goes to the other side of the road. This officer of atonement, this one who is to represent God to the people. A Levite comes by doing the same thing, right? And these guys are heading to Jer- Jericho as well, so they must have just come from worship on Sunday morning. Woohoo! Right? So it's an opportune time as they praised God and, and offered their sacrifices. And, and what do both of them do? The dude's dead in a ditch. We're going to the other side. Wonder why? Well, scholars are all over the place on why. Could it be that because if they came into contact with a dead body for, for seven days, they'd have to go through, they'd be unpure. Un- Right? And so then they'd have to go through all the, 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 the religious hoopla and follow the law to get pure again, maybe. Martin Luther King Jr., as he preached this the day before he was assassinated, he preached on this text. He goes, in my imagination, what I think is they were afraid. That they were fearful. Because who's not to say that that guy would lay in there wasn't playing a game to be the very robber or thief that would come beat you up? That's possible. Nonetheless, Jesus doesn't fill in the, the details and the gap for us because I think he's leaving it in a, his genius, leaving it open to go, you know what? There's a lot of reasons this priest and Levite could have justified themselves for not doing what? Loving their neighbor, for passing by to the other side. 
they pass by. They go to the other side. Now, oftentimes, they would teach in threes. So in hearing that there was a priest and a Levite, as listeners in would be listening to Jesus say this story, okay, then the next person who comes by would have to be an Israelite. But in the genius of Jesus, it wasn't an Israelite who passes by next in this story. It's a Samaritan. Now, we have been so, I think, altered by this parable, (laughs) altered by the nature of wanting to do good and love others, that we miss what a Samaritan was. We miss the upside-down nature of this. We miss the radicalness of what Jesus says. A Samaritan comes by. This, is, this would be, you know, in, in the set of three, like going, okay, you've got a fundamentalist Christian laying dead. Now you've got a fundament, fundamentalist jihadist Muslim who comes by. Who, who's, who's part of ISIS, right? Are you starting to get the picture? Like we might carry our history and heritage back to a common ancestor of Abraham, which in Islam, in Christianity, you do. We go back to Abraham. There's a connection there. But man, do we worship differently, think differently, act differently, have different expectations, Amen. Well, that's the Samaritans and the Israelites. So so Jesus goes, by the way, I'm now going to tell you that this great and wonderful person who comes to the aid of another is your enemy. What? Are you kidding? The officers of atonement who know the law, who know also of the overarching law of God's love, that even in the face of the impurity, they were called to serve, but didn't. A Samaritan comes, and what do we hear again about this Samaritan? As he traveled, he came by where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion for him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, as I said before, a two-week's wage. Gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any of the extra expense you may have. Look at the verbs. Look at what Jesus does with this Samaritan. While others, whether it was fear, whether it was their, their, their fear of what the law may, the, the inconvenience of seven days of getting pure, I don't know. But it kept them from loving. The Samaritan, however, what? The first thing he did, he saw him. We think about our neighbors. Are we willing to see our neighbors? Not only do we see them, do we have compassion for them? Do we feel for them? That's, that's the Greek word. Our, our guts turn over. So do I see you? Do I see your situation? Am I willing to see what's going on in your life? Am I willing to feel for you? This enemy then goes towards him, moves towards him, not away from him. Are we willing to get into proximity with people? We know that may come and be costly, though. It will take us energy and time, and it took him energy and time. Because in taking compassion and putting him in proximity, he then begins to bandage the wounds and finds out this man isn't dead. He anoints him, he pours oil over him to help clean, clean him, to, 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 to get him back in a way to his feet. The Samaritan then goes, you know what, instead of me riding my donkey, I'm going to let you ride the donkey while I walk. 
And all the meanwhile, well, this guy got beat up by a bunch of robbers. You think those robbers are still hanging around? Yeah, possibly. And what does he do? He brings them to the inn and spends, not only spends an exorbitant amount of money on this oil that he, 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 he washes over him, but two weeks worth. How many of us are going to put two weeks worth of wage out there and then say, oh, by the way, I'll come back and pick up the rest of what went on his hotel room tab. Again, this radical nature of Jesus, he goes, and it's your enemy who does this. What's Jesus doing in here? Again, we could could go, this is the kind of love we're called to. Yes, it is the kind of love we're called to, but I don't know about you. I can't do that for everybody. And that's what Jesus is trying to do in this parable. And with this Pharisee, or this, sorry, teacher of the law who's trying to justify himself, who's trying to, to, to manipulate, maneuver the law so he can get the A, Jesus is trying to remind him, you can't. This is beyond your capacity. By the way, the only one who can do this, the only true Samaritan, is me. Jesus was inviting this lawyer to see the end of himself so he could see the beginning of Jesus in his work. In Luke, in his gospel, he's, he's now leaning towards the cross. He's leaning towards what his mission was as the Messiah. He knew that he would be an enemy of this lawyer. He would be an enemy to most, that most people who should, should love him, that were of his own, who would care for him, would be spitting at him. And yelling, crucify him. He wouldn't just associate himself with the man who fell amongst the thieves, which, by the way, was the name of the parable in, antiqu- in antiquity. It was only later called the Good Samaritan, but throughout history it's been called the parable of the man who fell amongst thieves. Jesus is inviting this lawyer to understand that, that, that not only would Jesus would reach out to those of us because we are actually the people beat up in the ditch. We can't do it for ourselves. We're like the, the Pharisee and the teacher of, teacher of the law, the Levite, who comes by and like, you know what, I, I, I'm making choices and a lot of times I make the choice that isn't the right one. Jesus not only comes and heals our wounds, but he takes on death for us. His journey would be to a cross. But in that, he would also be raised. And in that, he would raise, in his resurrection, he would raise up. This is his mission. He wants us to understand before we go loving our neighbors, he wants us to understand that it's actually at the end of ourselves, we got to reach the end of ourselves first. Otherwise, our neighbors become our projects. Otherwise, our neighbors become another notch on the post to check off to go, yay, I did my good deed for the day. Otherwise, our neighbor is just simply fulfilling the law to justify myself, that you become a way to serve me. God goes, that's not how my kingdom rolls. I want you to reach the end of yourself first. I want you to understand that the law, in the face of it, you can't keep it. You want to justify yourself? I'm going to make it so difficult for you. I'm going to tell you a story that's going to rock your world. And it does. Right? So that we begin to lean on and see him as the one who would lift us up. Right? Jesus ends, he says, 
hey, which of these three do you think is a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the hands of the robbers? Expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Right? To go and do likewise, to love our neighbors, to participate in the work that Jesus has done. But we don't do so in a way to somehow earn Jesus' favor. To somehow map, measure, and manage our lives to get the grade. It's understanding first that Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Not only is he the Good Samaritan, but he's the one who would go further than our, I mean, he'd go into a ditch. It's in his death and resurrection that we have life. So then we get to love our neighbors. It's understanding that we were at once enemies of God. Much like the Samaritans is an enemy to the Jewish person, and the Jewish person is an enemy to the Samaritan. But if Jesus would love that way, maybe, just maybe, I could love my enemy as well. Do we get to God's call, go and do likewise? Absolutely. The law is still a guide for us. It's still guardrails, but as Jesus does, he blows up the law and says, oh, by the way, um, if you speak poorly about your neighbor, that's like murder. <laughs> right? So we come to the end of ourselves and say, Jesus, I need you to lift me up, to heal me, to carry me on the donkey, to come back, to pay my tab. And when we get that, only then can we begin to really see our neighbor for who they are. We can begin to see that our enemies may not even be our enemy. We can begin to see that those who are beat up have, have come across situations and circumstances in life. We can begin to have compassion upon others. It's only in understanding what God has done for us that we can actually have something to give to someone else. Because remember that great commandment. It says this, Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor what? As yourself. We can't give what we ourselves don't know and don't have. When we get it, though, Jesus says, participate in my kingdom work. But by the way, it's going to be costly. By the way, it's going to be bigger than you. It's going, to get, it's going to take more than you got. You're going to make mistakes along the way. But guess what? We're, we're living free. We're not worried about, if we're not worried about God checking us off every time we've done the wrong thing, we're actually willing to make mistakes. Oh. If I know there's a little public policy in regards to the speed limit, and I know I can go five miles over, or, or I'm a little under, I can drive a little more freely, Right? But if I know I better drive this speed limit exactly, all I'm ever doing is on, off. How many of your feet, like your feet get sore? Because you're like, I got to get it just right, you know, and you're like, well, hey, dummy, use cruise control. You know? But the cruise control doesn't always work because then you get on a hill, and that, you know, like we're white knuckle driving if that's our life. Jesus has freed us from that kind of life because then in that freedom, when we don't have to map, measure, or manage our life anymore, we no longer then have to treat our neighbor as a project to fix or to walk around. We're invited to love our neighbors in the ways that they need, sometimes even in costly ways. Because Jesus reminds us that kind of love isn't easy. 
As I've been doing each week, I've been bringing us back to this little commentary, scandalous stories. I want to read the end of their chapter on this. It's, I, I just think some great words and want to conclude with this. Jesus concluded his story by saying, you go and do likewise. Right? This is how we get the ministries we have and everything else. He says, this is the part we're prone to focus on, right? Go and do likewise. We see it as an admonition to be good and helpful people. But it's more than that. It must be heard in light of the whole story. As we go, there are things we must come to grips with if we want to be little Christs to a world that's been left for dead. So go and know that you were dying apart from God, beaten by sin without aid or hope. Go and know that a despised and rejected God brought you back to life when all others passed you by. Go and know that in His compassion, He's paid for all things necessary for you to live and has promised to return for you at an appointed time. Go and know that to love your neighbor is messy. It involves wasting your perceived righteousness and reputation. It means walking the way of blood. Go and know that there's only one truly good Samaritan, and he goes with you. Let's pray. God, thanks for challenging our own righteousness, our own ideas of self-justifying and, and making, trying to get it all figured out to control things. Thanks for the good news that, that God, you, you, you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, to get down into the muck and the mire, and you go so far as to even die for us. Thank you, that's not the end of the story, though. You come back to life, and in coming back to life, in your resurrection, you raise us to life. And that you wanted the lawyer and you want us to know that story before we go and do likewise. Otherwise, we're just going to be trying to earn your favor and do something that we could never do in the first place. And that law will crush us. So thank you for showing us the end of self-justification. Lord, we might be good at trying to manage laws and, and trying to make them manageable. But at the end of the day, we can't stand under that kind of life. But you who were perfect became like us, did for us what we couldn't do, and have rescued us. Thanks for making that story available to this lawyer, to us today. And out of that, then, God, showing us what your kingdom is like, that this is, this is the kind of love we're invited to participate in with our neighbors, that yes, going and doing this is still a call from you. But Lord, we don't have to do it in a way that, that fears your judgment at every turn. We don't even have to do it in a way that goes, it's my job now to solve every problem in the world because we can't do that. Only you can. But we can be present to the moments and to the people that we come across each day. We can be available. We can be willing to see others and what they're going through. We can be willing to have compassion to open our hearts to others. We, we can be willing to go into their lives in the ways that they allow us to be, to serve them in ways that they need us to. And at times we can be open and can be willing 
to sacrificially give. But Lord, any of that to bring life to another needs to be done with your help and in your power. So continue to show us how we can participate. Not only know this goodness, this rescue we have in you, but the call to join you in that work to rescue others. So Lord, help us. Lead us, guide us, strengthen us by your spirit. And again, thank you for being the good Samaritan to us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing about that rescue. Go ahead and stand and join us.
Jesus, our Savior, made that rescue possible, lifted us up out of the ditch. We were beat up. We were broken. We couldn't do it. And in that, he invites us to do that for others. Not because they're projects. Not because somehow we can map and manage our lives and we can map and manage and measure their lives. No, so we can invite them into the freedom we've been given. So as you go to love your neighbors, do so in the freedom that we have in Christ. To love in a way that we've been loved. To serve in a way that we've been served. To give sacrificially in a way that we've been sacrificially been given for. But knowing that you don't, it's not about justifying yourselves. It's not about trying to get it right, because you can't. But he has. So go now into this world with the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace, and if you don't mind helping stack a few chairs, we would appreciate it.